joy. I love talking about having us like really existing in our bodies. Ooh. I love talking about masculine feminine polarities. I love talking about embracing our shadow sides. I love talking about parenting. I love talking about relationships. I love talking about um, figuring out how we interact with energy, things like money and more complicated things. I'm totally open to talking about sex dynamics. Yeah. I love talking about female friendships and how it's really kind of a false narrative that we're, comp you know, we're bred to kind of feel we're in competition with each other. Mm. Girl, I want to talk about it all. Like I love it. We're going to have to have you back like multiple times. Welcome back, my loves. Oh, I have a beautiful guest for you. Jenna Valentine. Welcome, sunshine. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hi, everybody. <laughs> so Jenna and I met at a dinner party. And first of all, from your outside appearance, you have this like strong, bold character woman like you have you embody that right Thanks. and then you started talking and I was like whoa there's a lot here like you are you were like I described you as someone today as the definition of a badass <laughs> <laughs> you are bold and brave and authentic and you speak your truth you don't shy away from saying what's sometimes challenging to say uh, and you go there when it comes to things that are vulnerable. How did you end up this fabulous? <laughs> I feel like that is the best introduction I've ever gotten. <laughs> I'm going to need a little while to absorb that. Thank you. Um, yeah, we met at that this amazing entrepreneur dinner. And I mean, surrounded by badass women. And you also for sure struck me. I mean, huh. you're, you're not in this video with me, unfortunately, because you're sitting here looking gorgeous. <laughs> but um, I mean, you walk in with all of your beautiful posture, feminine embodiment and power as well. So I just really appreciate the compliments coming from you, especially because I it was, couldn't have been more similar, the feelings I had for you. So um, we can just gush about each other this whole podcast, which feels really <laughs> wonderful. Feels delightful. Um, but I think the question was, how did I get here to this place in my life? Um, I'm almost 41, so I think part of it is years on earth, and I think part of it is I really benefited from a lot of hardship, um, which I know is kind of a weird thing to say. I think more of us are coming to terms with suffering is optional, and some of these hard experiences can really breed these gorgeous outcomes. So I'm really working to look back on what I would describe as kind of a hard moment and look at it really as kind of what has bred me to be strong. And part of that was, you know, being raised by a single mother. Um, part of that was going through a really tumultuous divorce. Part of that's being a single mother myself now mm. and raising a teenage daughter who's, we talked about this a little bit before we um, started the podcast, but she's really amazing. And, you know, I became a doctor of Chinese medicine later in life and worked in the foster care and juvenile justice system and have just really worked to embrace life with the full 360 of it. You know, really the, the pain and the joy and the kind of like wrong shit. Can we cuss on here? Yes. Okay. okay. Thank you. Um, really embracing all of that together and that's taken work. So yeah, the meditation stuff and breath work and really diving into relationship and friendship, reading a lot of books usually at the same time. Um, but I, w I really do credit, you know, having this kind of 
harder experience in life that has led me to be really confident in who I am because I, I trust myself really fully. Mm. Because you learned that you can be face, you can face challenging moments and you'll make it through. Yeah. Like I, I, I really will bet on myself in any moment. I, I've got my own back. I've really befriended myself. I feel, um, I really, you know, maybe my toxic trait is feeling like I can do anything. <laughs> so, Told you and she's so then, us. <laughs> then I do. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. I don't think that's a toxic trait at all. I think that's a blessing that you recognize that we have way more power than we give ourselves credit for, that we even tap into. We are beyond powerful beings. Like even on the way over here, uh-huh. I had this gorgeous moment where I was on the phone with my best friends. I'm driving down, I think, Manchac, Manchaca. I don't know how we're saying I it these days. Yeah. And there was a man who was on the opposite side of the road from me, and he was pushing his car that had clearly died. And it was just him. So he's trying to push it and steer it and get out of the road. And I immediately to my best friend, I'm like, I have to pull over and help this guy. You know? Like, uh. And obviously, I'm, I mean, I'm strong. I'm capable. I could easily help him push his car. But by the time I'd gotten to a point where I could pull over and help him, like six other men had stopped. And you know, a jogger was jogging by. He stopped. And two other men had pulled over. A guy came out of his house. It was this really, really beautiful moment. But my point is, I was like, I'm fully equipped to help. Like uh. I, in any moment, I'm like, I, I got this. This feels really nice. Oh, I love mm, that. Thanks. Speak to how you're installing that in your daughter. Great question. So the first, I mean, you can, you can talk at kids a lot and I think more than anything it is modeling for them. I mean, that's not <laughs> going to shock anybody. I hope who's listening. Um, we, I, I try to make clear to her my mistakes mm. and I try to really break down things that I wish I'd done a little bit differently. So I definitely do not try to look perfect in front of her. Actually, the, <laughs> the only bad word we have in our house outside of words that are denigrating to populations that we're not part of. Um, but, you know, shit, fuck, all that is allowed. We just aren't allowed to say perfect <laughs> because it's just not, <laughs> not the goal. The, the, it's a bad word. Ooh, the, do not no say <laughs> that in my house. Um, the P word. Yeah, I'm like, ooh, you want to get in trouble? Yeah. So uh, I think it's that. You know, it's really like, ooh, you're, you know, your mom really messed up today. Or I've been apologizing to her since she was little. Like, I, I messed up as your mom and you know, not big things, but like just little funny stories of all the times that I, I fucked up as a parent and as a person. And, and I try to show those to her so she knows that um, I don't just show her my wins. I think that's part of it. We talk a lot about systems. So systems of patriarchy, systems of white supremacy, systems um, that, that are kind of invisible, capitalistic systems, things like that. And we talk about where we fit into that and how we operate in that. So I talk to her with, you know, pretty meta level concepts. And I also, I try to model for her, like, we just got this. So we can do this with, like, in a really fun way. The other day I asked her what she was looking forward to most about being a grown-up. And I, and I also asked her if there were any grown-ups that she wanted to model her life after. And she said me, which was awesome and a great way to gain points. <laughs> but also, <laughs> when I asked her why, she's like, you're the only one who seems happy. Like, a lot of the grown-ups wow. in her life don't model joy or happiness. And so part of being, I think, a badass and really sitting in our power is accessing joy. I think a lot of, a lot of us are very you know, we have to be serious and like spiritual work is serious and we have to, be, you know, have this performative like stoicness. And while I do, you know, kind of vibe hard with stoicism, having this access to joy is really important. And that to me is aligned with power. And I think I try to make sure she feels that. Um, and also really feel like she 
I want her to feel strong physically in her body, and I also want her to feel strong enough to rely on other people. So she's always, you know, she has, you know, she sees me have friends come over often, friends in need, friends to have fun with. So I'm just trying to kind of like low key modeling, but also really deep diving into conversations that people aren't always having with, you know, young teenage girls. Beautiful. What does diving into or accessing joy look like on the daily? For, like for what me? Are, yeah, what are some of your joy practices <laughs> or like how do you bring it in? Ah, I love that question. Mm. Um, I'm a big fan of finding delight in everyday stuff. So sure, I go to comedy shows and I watch animal documentaries and they're, they're just like so silly and joyful to me. And um, I will seek out things that are big joy, travel, vacations, that kind of stuff. But I love just finding the absurd moments. Like I was getting coffee at Erie or Irie Bean and the woman behind the counter was so cute. She was so sweet. And we just had this like laughter around these vegan cookies and swapped some stories about like just dumb shit. And it was so fun. Mm -hmm. And it was just filled with joy, just like delighting in little things that we notice. That to me, like I was watching a squirrel and it was just, it was just like so outlandish, like what the squirrel was doing. And that was funny. So I think a practice of joy is just noticing and like being curious and and being curious really takes a sense of safety. Like if we can feel safe in ourselves and safe in our body and abundant in what we're doing in the world, then we have bandwidth for curiosity and curiosity just brings so much joy. And then mm. I try to surround myself with people like you who, you know, you laugh quick, you laugh easily, you're generous with your laughter. Um, you, you know, people who are like aligned with also wanting joy, which doesn't mean that we're extra Pollyanna. It doesn't mean that we're ignoring the struggles and turmoils of the world. It doesn't mean that we're not actively engaged in areas of social justice and important work, but it serves no one if we're depressed and angry and resentful and sad. And I really believe that having this kind of vibration of joy can uplift. I was thinking about how people who hold great joy can also hold great grief. You know, they're two sides mm -hmm. of the same coin. And so for me, there's like how big and how open can we get with the emotions that we're experiencing so that we can go the full way. And because I am not afraid of hardship, I'm not afraid of grief or suffering or fear. I'm not afraid of, well, I'm not afraid of fear. That sounds weird, but mm -hmm. um, I'm not afraid of experiencing those hard emotions right. because I've built the confidence in myself in order to do that. And so it has freed me up to feel the full expansiveness of joy and delight so I, I think another practice would be getting really comfortable with hard shit. So, you know, when I lost my grandma, who was one of my favorite people in the world, um, I felt that. I still feel it. I'm really connected with that sadness and that grief. And I, in a weird way, that frees me up to be happier on the daily. Wow. Someone just told me that um, they had someone pass away and they were like, huh, lucky them. Mm. They're free. Oh. I was like, that is the greatest way to look at death or yeah. ever. They're like, they're, she's like, they don't have to deal with this shit anymore. They're free. They're all floating around wherever they are. Like, they're free. And I was like, oh. I mean, on, on the one hand, that makes me so sad because it's like, life is really rad. Like, Oh, and she's a happy person. Okay, good. And life is phenomenal. Yeah. And there, we, we don't live a natural life to some degree mm. anymore. We're not out in the jungle and making food and enjoying community. Yeah. We're hustling and my days go nonstop until I literally pass out in bed. 
<laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm a New Yorker. <laughs> you know, every minute counts. And I've designed it that way. Like I, I fill my schedule with things that I love to do. So it never feels like work. But I'm on like go, 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 go mode all day long. I want to lay in the grass with you at Zilker again <laughs> and do nothing. Yeah. And sometimes I fill my day with amazing yeah. humans and it's a, you know, it's an hour of absolute joy and delight. Most of the time my, my days are full of joy and delight, but they're like, it, there's a, there's a rhythm to like taking advantage of every minute in my life. Yeah. I wonder if in the spiritual world, it's like that too. Like, oh shit, we got to get coffee. <laughs> For all we know, they're out there hustling too. Like, right. oh, I got to go visit this person and haunt this person and like, muck up some stuff here. Like the other day I, I witnessed a man who had died um, really tragically on Lamar. It was really gruesome. And I spent, I, I wasn't in a, there was already an ambulance coming and some people there. I wouldn't have been a helpful presence to stop. It would have caused more chaos. And so I didn't, but I felt I mean, really nauseous because it was so gruesome, but I also then spent time telling him that he had died, like his spirit. I don't know, this may be mm. too woo-woo for some people, but, and I remember asking my grandma, like, hey, can you go get him? Like, he may not know he died. Like, this, that would have been really shocking the way that he had died. He was hit by a car and, uh, and run over, but... Um, but the spirits may be real busy with that. You know, I'm out here sending tasks up to like <laughs> my grandma, like, Hey, go get oh, this. Yeah. I asked my angels for tasks also. They're I'm busy. like, hello, <laughs> yeah. support, please. They're probably like this woman telling us we're just free out here. <laughs> I try not to make it demands, but rather like requests. Gentle requests. Yeah. yeah. I was demand. I was like, go get him. <laughs> he just died. How intuitive though of you to know that that's potentially what was needed in that moment. Like not your physical presence, mm. but your like spiritual connection to like his soul needs a little support in this moment. Well, it felt like that. I mean, I I really like Pema Chodron. Are you familiar mm -hmm. with her? She's so cool. If you guys haven't read her, you should. She's like this adorable female Buddhist monk who's mm. like very easy to listen to, easy to read, not pretentious, just like super cute. Her books are really short, digestible. Anyway, she wrote a book called On Death and Dying. And I had been reading that. It's a really, really good book. And it draws heavily from the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And in that book, they talk about how there's like 40 days where spirits are kind of in transition. And so for this man, I was like, okay, well, I don't know when people who love, hopefully he had people who loved him on this earth. Mm. And if he doesn't, let me just kind of take that over to do some of these kind of 40-day you know, offerings for, for him and um, kind of try to connect him with some spiritual homies. And, you know, I mean, what else can you do, right? Like, it's yeah. none of us really know for sure what's happening. Um, but it felt good. It gave me some sense of purpose because driving by made me feel like I really had to connect with my compulsive helping that has been a big part of my life in the past. I, I like to identify as a helper. I like to identify as, you know, someone who's like a protector and whatnot. And um, sometimes it's at my own detriment. And sometimes compulsive helping is actually not helpful. It's, it gets in the way or it's enabling someone or whatnot. So I've had mm -hmm. to really confront myself on that like kind of like toxic side of helping. <laughs> um, I'm probably going to overuse the word toxic. Anyway, uh, it's like a buzzword these days. And so I had to really confront that. I was like, man, I want to do something. And so whether people call it prayer or meditation or connection with the spirit, whatever you want to call it, the, I think we get caught up in those words and make them divisive in a way we don't have to. But for me, it gave me something I felt I could do. Like I can put out a glass of water and a little food for him in case his spirit is hungry, which is something that's in the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And I got a necklace. I left it at 
this special dude's house the other night. <laughs> so, uh, I don't have it on right now, but it has memento mori, which is a Latin phrase for um, we're all going to die, essentially. And then on the other side, it has amor fati, which is, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. My daughter's in Latin. She could probably correct me. But it's um, basically like love your fate, like accept your, accept your fate, not only accept it, but love it. And so I got a necklace in his honor for that as well. And um, it just gave me a sense of purpose for, I, I think a little bit was absolving myself of the helplessness that I felt driving by. And the other part was really connecting with him. Like I, I was a witness to the last bit of his life and that felt important. Wow. Beautiful. I'm hearing that you're really in tune and you're aware and you're, you're very intentional with how you're showing up in the world. It's beautiful. Um, you are so sweet. I feel so good about myself whenever I talk to you. Um, <laughs> you're really talented. Well, you desire to be in service, and that's a beautiful thing. If we could all have that innate desire at all times, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we'd be living in a different world. I think there are plenty of people that would say I am not those. You know, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I am definitely not uh, the P word. Um, perfect. <laughs> not, I, I <laughs> not anything else. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I was actually talking with a friend over lunch about this, about how our job is not to be concerned with how other people's view us. Our job is to be the best version of ourselves. So I think in the past, I was more interested in how I was being perceived. Mm. And now I feel much more connected with my job is to show up as me and as the most me possible with the highest integrity and highest ethics. And whatever anyone thinks of me after that point is them. It's their lens. It's their journey. It's their story. It's their process. So some people may look at this video and be like, she is a resting bitch face. And some people may be like, she's really hot. I want to fuck her. And some people may be like, she seems really smart or she seems like a bit, whatever, you know, but right. that's their story and that's their lens. And, yeah. and that's actually fundamentally not my business and not my problem. And also not really even my compliment. It's like, you seem to view people in such a positive, beautiful light. And that is a reflection of you and the lens you've created for yourself. Mm. Um, and I, I think... I think there's a lot of power in that. So, so while, yes, I work to be in tune, I think you see my in tuneness because that's a reflection of you as well. So thank you. Yeah. And it's really gorgeous. You just said something so incredibly important. This whole concept of how much we place our attention on what other people would think about us and how we stop ourselves from actually being ourselves in fear of this perception that every person will have different based on their own experiences in life. Yeah. Nothing to do with you. Right. Often. I mean. Most of the time it's not. Right. Like there's, I have a, a client, I'm a doctor of Chinese medicine. I'm an acupuncturist and I do some uh, coaching work as well. And anyway, I was seeing him and he's a really big man, like, like just st his stature is large and he's a very kind man as well but he's very aware that his presence can be imposing just because of his size. And he's very aware that especially female bodies have often had trauma at the hands of men, sometimes very large men like him. And he was very concerned with helping people feel safe around him, hmm. which is a beautiful goal, right? That's, that's a really sweet, shows the sweetness of his heart. It's also, I mean, I, I finally told him, like, it's your job to be safe. It's not your job to make other people feel safe around you. And that really helped release him, right? So it's our job to be kind. It's not our job to make other people think we're kind. It's not our job, right? So I think we have, we've kind of misplaced our 
job descriptions. We've made them a little too broad and we can give ourselves a lot of peace if we're just like, you know, it's my job to be really true to myself. It's not my job to make everyone else know that I'm really true to myself. And I was reflecting on this with a woman who's going through a divorce. My divorce was years ago now, but I still, I kind of look back with hindsight of kind of what I wish I had been. And part of me during that time was really focused on not being perceived as only being with him for the money or I really wanted him to, even though he was leaving me, I wanted him to know I really loved him for him, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I never, like, I didn't want to go, I didn't, the negotiations about finances felt like if I, if I negotiate this, he's going to think I didn't love him, right? It put me in that position. And I was so focused on that people pleasing aspect that I, I really did myself a disservice and it didn't help, right? Like it, it just, it, it was like I could have just been me and I could have known in my heart that I loved him for just him and I didn't need to prove that to anybody. And so it was just one more, you know, I was, I was reflecting to her, like if this is happening to you and you are concerned with how other people are going to view you moving through this process, it's going to affect your ability to rationally negotiate this legal process and you can step away from it. So that's just one example of how it shows up especially, and, and women and women more often than men are bred to be people pleasers. And so it does not, by no means are men immune to this process, but women are more bred for that. So right. we really need to acknowledge it and, and I think work to step out of it a little bit. Beautiful. You are such a magnificent parent, so I keep highlighting this. <laughs> ah. How do you share this concept with your daughter? This concept of not worrying about what other people think, especially for a teenager. Oh, yeah, I mean, I they're know. living in that world, right? Now with social media and all that. Yeah. It is, um, it is very tender. And especially in your early teens, it feels like everyone is looking only at you. So it's a tricky balance of teaching her. I think all of us need this lesson. The best way to do it, I think, is to look at the stars, you know, where you're like, I am both so important and the most important thing in the entire world and universe, and I'm also very insignificant. And so teaching someone how to have that balance is tricky, right? So for her, it's like, you are everything and you are so important and you are absolutely amazing and also no one cares about you. You know, Not her, but like in general, <laughs> right? Like no one is... We Nobody's are thinking, yeah. and the people that are judging other other people are the people that hate themselves the most, mm. right? Like if we if we love ourselves, I've never been more judgmental externally than when I was judging myself the harshest internally. And now that I just absolutely love myself, like all all of myself, even the stuff that's like not ideal, you know, like even like you know the like crepiness that's starting to show up on my skin and you know even like when I have a pimple every time I eat chocolate I get a pimple you know it's like oh did you have chocolate yet fuck um <laughs> but all you know and, and like my little qualities where I'm like wow I'm like why is oh like at lunch I, my friend went to this men's retreat and it was run by a woman and I was like feeling all this heat around it like men need to be around just men <laughs> I was like why I'm feeling so much heat like what is that so like but even that I'm like that's such a cute quality of me like even the the bad stuff, right? So um, part of it with my daughter is really, if I can get her to love herself, shadow side, light side, bullshit side, all of that. If she can just be like, yep, that's part of me too. Damn, I should probably work on that. But with tenderness, like really befriending herself, then she'll judge herself less. So she will judge others less and she will perceive others as judging her less. 
And I think that will, that kind of breaks the cycle. So I do think it starts, you know, it's kind of cheesy, but I do think it starts with self-love, self-love yeah. truly. I have it tattooed on my arm, self-love. Oh, that makes you shine oh brighter. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> no, it's the most important. Yeah. I love what you're saying. Thank you for bringing that back to self-love because it's true. When we're in that judgy place of ourselves, then it's just that much easier to point the finger. Oh, it, I mean, we're like, ooh, I hope no one sees that in me. Look at her. Look what she's doing. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah. why are we doing this? Like, it just doesn't make sense. When you're really like sitting in your own strength, you don't have, it's not even that you don't have time to care what other people are doing that's bad or wrong or whatever. You just really, it just doesn't, you don't care as much. For me, it's radical acceptance. Like mm, it's yeah. the human condition. Yeah. We're shitty sometimes. Yeah. You know, we make mistakes <laughs> sometimes. We're like, you know, we're not ourselves sometimes. Right. And even if someone's kind of nasty, you're like, oh, look. Well, sounds like you're having a bad day. You're right. And it's like, yeah. it's not this repulsion, but rather like a curiosity of like, oh, I'm sorry. And it's, it sounds okay? like, and not taking it personally. Right. Right. Like that's what it sounds Huge. like you're doing well when you're saying that anecdote is that you're not like, they're being nasty to me because I'm terrible. It's like, right. wow, that person, like, thank God I'm not in their body. That feels miserable to be that upset all the time. Right. And I, yeah, I mean, it feels like it, if, so many of us have shame pockets mm -hmm. that we tuck away and we hide away. And I know in my practice, one of the most beautiful things is when I can create a space for someone where they they feel safe enough to like show me their shame pockets. And it's not that I then be like, here, give it to me. I'll take it. It's that I can then be like, wow, let's look at that together. And then we can just look at it. And it's not bad or, you know, wh whatever's going on just to have someone else safely witness it helps mm them start to integrate that part of them. And that to me is really, really powerful. I've gotten so interested in like that, the shadow integration, the dark feminine, the kind of like naughty bits of ourselves because there's a book um, that I really love. And if anyone who already knows me hears this, they're probably gonna make, she's always talking about that book, but existential kink. And I forget the author. I tend not to be the best at remembering that, but um, the book is essentially like, some of us kind of enjoy, well, all of us, if we're having the same patterns repeat in our life, like judginess or um, self-hate or any of the kind of topics we've touched on, then um, part of us must be benefiting in some way from that. And she talks about how, like, say you pick fights with people, the physiological sense in the body of fighting is like arousal. So there's if you can just acknowledge, like there, a lot of people will say like, okay, well, if you're on a roller coaster, some people will feel fear and some people feel excitement, but it's the same physiological response happening in the body. Right, your hands are sweaty, your heart's pumping. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Like your cheeks are kind of flushed. And yeah. so it's similar with like, you know, procrastination or with picking a fight or with doing something kind of shameful mm. um, and like secretive. Those all bring up like, oh, I might get caught. And the physiological sense of the body is very similar to sexual arousal in the body. And so if we can start to connect, like, oh, I kind of actually in some weird way may like, like that. Like so <laughs> she, she has this term. It's like the cosmic, the un cosmic universal slut or some masochistic slut. <laughs> and it's hilarious. It's like, we're That's all just awesome. out here creating our own problems because some part of us likes to be engaged with problem. And we all know the friend that's like always complaining, but they've like, created the own thing that they complain about. I'll do this sometimes. I'll like, you know, kind of back in the day, I guess, like date men of a certain 
type and then be like, why, why am I doing this self? Like, why does this keep happening to me? Right. And like, I, because <laughs> you shocked and appalled. <laughs> and it's, like, have you seen that Scooby-Doo meme where it's like Fred and he's like pulling the mask off the monster and it's Fred. And it's like, the whole thing is like, we're our own problem. Uh-huh. Like I'll tell clients often, like, if you can't breathe, just make sure your hand's not on your own throat first. Like, cause then right. we can just take that off. So anyway, the book is great if people haven't read it. And it's okay. this kind of like radical approach to like maybe parts, part of you kind of likes it. And until you acknowledge that, it's real hard to release it. Hmm. Interesting. Speak to the shadow side because you kind of tapped on that, but I, I want to go there a little deeper. What does that even look like? What does that mean? I think it can mean a lot of things to different yeah. people. I just... <laughs> what does it mean to you? <laughs> I just posted on my social media account... Um, this like a friend had sent it to me. It's this little girl and she's like scared of her shadow. Literally, it's like a real little girl. She's running on the beach and her shadow's there and she's screaming. And everywhere she tries to run away from it, it's right there because it's your shadow, right? So, and it's like the, the caption's like, when you realize you have to do your own inner work. <laughs> she's like <laughs> screaming in terror from it. Um, so to me, the shadow side is really anything that we've said is bad or other about ourselves. So that could be certain things that we like, that we feel bad about liking. It could be experiences that we've had in our childhood or um, in our adult life that we just hold shame around or we have like that kind of cringy feel or like, oh, if somebody found out, that's kind of the shadow side. Sometimes it's um, for, you know, emotions that we've repressed. Like, so a lot of women don't, they've not been really trained how to have a connection with anger, for example, or like some of the more, I'm going to use air quotes if people aren't watching, um, the, the like masculine emotions. Mm. And that can be shameful if they feel anger or if, Um, like the kind of shame around prioritizing the self, like martyrdom is so big amongst certain people. So the shadow side could be acknowledging, like, I actually really want to be pampered and I want to be attended to. Or um, the shadow side for men could be like, I cry and I feel really lonely and tapping into vulnerability, but they feel shame around that. Um, The shadow side could be like, I really, you know, want to, move to Tahiti and abandon my children, or I really want to get involved in the kink sexual community, or I really, I grew up religious and I hate religion now. You know, all of those bits that we tell ourselves are the bad parts of ourselves that we try to hide from others. Those are typically what I consider the shadow side. Hmm. And it sucks when people have told themselves that those parts are bad because they're still part of you. This can happen. I used to work in the foster care and juvenile justice system. Um, it can happen outside of that system, but this is where I saw it the most. Where, and it, for me personally, it happened because I have no, I didn't have a relationship with my father, and there were parts of me that had to come to peace with that because I'm half his. And you watch children have to be half someone that they hate or full, you know, two parents they hate, right? Those, and that can be something to be reckoned with. So, I think there's lots of opportunity. And I know for me, my journey used to be, my self-work journey used to be hunt down and eradicate all of the bad parts of you. That was like my mission. You know, it's like, I'm the Navy SEALs and I'm going in and we're going (laughs) to fucking kill any bit that's bad and we're going to do all the self-work and all that. And then I realized like, wow, weird, (laughs) weird that those parts are not coming out (laughs) to be killed. And I shifted and the strategy now is like a, a beautiful scavenger hunt of like, are there more of you out there, self? Like, are mm. there more areas that we can work on? And um, and the, the goal is to find them so I can bring them home and integrate them in myself. 
And so it's really like, of course, I'll still have a shadow side, but that's not a bad thing. You know, that's a really gorgeous thing. And if we can access that, that's like really powerful. So like um, when we talk about like women who kind of stand in their power and have like a badass energy, I think it's a lot of times women who've come face to face with their, you know, shadow or demons or whatever. And they're like, what's up? Let's be friends. My shadow side is fun as hell. Like, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. she's great. Um, and so how can we have that relationship a little bit more? Beautiful. Is that a matter of respecting it or accepting it? Or like, how do you have a better relationship with something that you're kind of mortified by, essentially, <laughs> right? Yeah. I, lo- I love your questions, Nikki. <laughs> just, you're so good at this. Um, I think the first is recognizing it's there. Obviously, first step is knowing it's there. And being playful, I think, is really helpful. So having a sense of levity around it, like... Yeah, I just I just like that. I'm just yeah. that's just what yeah. I'm going to do right now. And then also recognizing that we can shift it. So even if we're like I love that part of me, I still recognize there's places I can grow and learn and evolve. So it doesn't mean you know, I'm accepting everything and therefore, you know, now I'm not going to be a person of integrity because part of me has desires that are outside of my own integrity. It doesn't mean that we have to give into every whim and you know, we're not toddlers, right? Like we we have some prefrontal cortex that has developed and we have self-control and discipline, but we can still acknowledge those parts of us with kind of like humor and delight. Like, okay, shadow side, I see you wanting to do that. (laughs) We're not gonna, but that's really cute that you want to do that. So um, I I highlight a lot. I do this with my daughter as well. And the importance of the internal tone of voice that we use with ourselves and my best friend, she's so cute. She used to say some negative things about herself and, and, I had for her and my daughter, and I do for my clients as well, a rule that if you say something bad about yourself, you then have to say something good. You have to apologize to yourself, and then you have to say something nice. And so my best friend was still learning this, and I was like, if you say more than three bad things about yourself in an hour, then you have to say 10 good things Mm. in a row. And so we're in Vegas in a nightclub dancing our asses off to like early 90s hip hop, which is the only time I'm trying to be dancing in Vegas. Like I'm not trying to dance to anything but early 90s hip-hop so she and I are like out there and we're like you know some of the older crowd you know we're anyway and there's all these men around us we're dancing with and she said something bad about herself and I was like bitch you know the rules (laughs) and so in the middle of a Vegas nightclub floor all these men in a circle around us she had to say 10 good things about herself and so but my point my point is a that's hilarious and my best friend's awesome and also that um that we need to have a kind internal tone because it's really hard to show. It's like if you were going to confess something you did wrong and you were going to be berated by the person you confessed it to, there's no way you're going to confess it unless you really have that masochistic bit in you. But for the most part, so we can't even feel comfortable confessing our shadow sides to ourselves. If we're not comfortable, it's going to be met with this sense of like, you crazy bitch. Like, I love you, right? We want this kind of like loving energy around that. So I think that's one of the first steps is like just really having like that playfulness and, and joy around it. We don't, we don't have to hurt to heal. We don't have to be so serious about our healing processes. Mm-hmm. And so I think bringing that shadow side in is really like, like coax it in, like, hey, you're, you're welcome here. Not with like a trap, like you're welcome here. And then as soon as you show up, I'm going to like <laughs> eradicate you and kill you, which I had been trying to do unsuccessfully. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's hilarious. There's this comedian turned transformational coach named Kyle Cease. And he talks about, he has you go through this exercise where you write down all of your fears about yourself, what you think you're incapable of. You just like make your list of all of your fears. And then he has you go back through and then write, and I love that 
at the end of each sentence. And it's fascinating when you do that because it forces your brain to try and figure out why this thought could be loved. Like, how could that be loved? And you you discover that your true intention often is because you want to maybe show up in excellence. There's a driver in you that desires to be the best version of you. It it created a completely different dynamic, a shift with the inner dialogue that was cutting you down. I love that idea. Yeah. You kind of tapped on it when you said, I, I, I love that. Like, how can you bring joy and love to something that's actually seemingly on the outside unkind, but if you really explore, it's because your innate nature wants to do better. Yeah, I think so. And I can, I mean, I'm sure some of the listeners will be like going to the extremes. Like what if you're out there like killing baby rabbits and no, that, you know, yeah, so we're not talking like, about, yeah, I mean, murderers. I want to say like, we're, yeah, there's like certain things that we're just like right. not going to be like, and that's cool too. Yeah, you know, I love that. Um, <laughs> Kill yeah, rabbits. I'm like, yeah, we don't love that. No, we don't love that. But, um, but for the kind of run of the mill stuff that we're really hard on ourselves with, yeah, uh, like I, I have the most patient guitar teacher in all of the world. I swear this man is a saint. And when I'm playing the guitar, it's like you just can't make your fingers do what you want all the time. You're like, I know where it's supposed Especially to go. Not your left hand, it doesn't move. It in doesn't. That way. Move. And like my pinky <laughs> just like goes rogue. I'm like, why are you even like? You're not even pinkying well, you know? Like so, but. Like he, what he, it brings him a lot of joy to watch me talk myself through like pinky, pinky, we're not pinky. We're not doing that. You know, like, and I, because I love how cute my body is like rebelling and it just like won't smush that when you smush all the core, I don't know what it, I call them a smush cord. We like press a lot of them together. And, um, it's just so cute to me when I'm like, it's just, I want it to do this thing and it won't do this thing. But I love, I do really love that. Like, it's so funny to me. And even like I was asking this body worker today, I was getting some body work done and I asked him what his favorite muscle was and he didn't have one, <laughs> but I was saying how like they just all seem to have personalities. Like all of our muscles seem to have personalities and they're so adorable. Like and some of them just like don't work as well. And you're like, why, why are you like this? And so I think if we can have this, like this relational ease with ourselves, both our physical bodies, our spiritual bodies, our emotional bodies, it just feels so much better. It's such a great way to be because we're human and we're flawed. We're going to do human flawed things. And it's just really cool. Like I made a mistake yesterday. I, I double booked a client. I felt like such an asshole, you know, and I was like, people spend their time and they carve out and they're looking forward to it and they drive and they write. I was like, oh man. And so like he had texted like, oh, I'm here. And I was, but I was already with another client. And so after I wrote back, like, oh crap, you know, of course I got a flush of like, oh, failure, shame, fuck, you fucked up, you messed up. You know, of course I get that, I'm human, right? right. And I'm like, self, hey, it doesn't help. Yeah. So like, <laughs> let's, this sucks. Listen. Yeah, we, we did this thing. And also like now I get to model for him what it looks like to fail and have grace with yourself. And I sent him a text back like, oh crap, my scheduling assistant, aka me, which I wrote in the thing, clearly messed up here <laughs> and double booked. And I'm so sorry. And I acknowledge, I know you took time and energy and effort to get here. I don't take that lightly. I'm so sorry. And yeah. if you'll give me another chance, I will give you 50% off your next appointment for an inconvenience fee. I would love to see you again. Right. So right. I felt the shame. I recognized the mistake. I felt the shame start to come. And I was like, we're not, we're not doing that. Like, yeah. yes. So we can acknowledge, my point is, it doesn't have to be like, everything I do is perfect. And like, it's just right. like, I'm, you know, like, oh, it doesn't even matter. The universe meant for you to come and not have it. Like, I didn't do that. Right. That felt like, like the bypassy bullshit I don't love. Um, 
so I felt the shame come up. I felt myself manage it. Like, we're not doing the shame thing. We will acknowledge fault. We will acknowledge mistake. We will find a way to make a repair and we'll move on. And you acknowledge the other person's experience, which I think is yeah. key. Like really like, Hey, I, I don't take this lightly. Like right. I, I get it that you drove all the way here. Like I'm, that, that's the part that upsets me. Not that I messed up, that your effort wasn't going to be rewarded. So yeah. beautiful. And it's also like, I mean, I still have, I'm a, I call myself a recovering codependent, recovering people pleaser, because when I, I envision like this brain where you have a, a tumor and it's codependency or enmeshment, right? But on the other sides of that is like compassion and empathy and love. And so if they're trying to excise that tumor, the risk is that you're going to pull from these other like areas of the brain right near it. And I'm not willing to give those up. So I'm always going to have a little codependency people pleaser in me because I want to keep my empathy and compassion and access to really deep love. And so I'm going to, I believe about myself that I will have this pull to want people to feel happy and at ease. And I want to make people's lives better. I want people to feel better for having interacted with me. So when I, when someone doesn't have that experience, it confronts something about what I believe to me to be my identity. Mm. And that can bring up defensiveness. Like, I wish I could blame somebody else. I wish I'd had an assistant that had actually messed up. I mean, I don't actually, but you know, like it would have been a lot easier for me if someone else had been at fault or I could blame somebody else. So I understand when other people experience that. It's an easy way out yeah. to then to like own like, oh, wow, I feel bad. I feel badly about this. And I can feel badly while not beating myself up and acknowledging him and potentially having an even richer experience when I see him again, because he, he was like, no problem, I'll rebook. He was so cool about it. Gave me so much grace, which isn't always going to be the case. But I know for sure I'll mess up again. I know for sure I will. And I know for sure that I can practice recovering from that in a way that feels graceful, but honoring the other person that I let down. And I, this is something I do talk to my daughter a lot about, which is, and clients and friends and myself, is building up the capacity to deal with the feelings of letting other people down. Because especially for people pleasers, letting other people down is such a weapon that can be used against us because it sucks. It feels terrible. I want people to be happy and feel loved and all of this stuff. And so when I'm, when I'm living my life in integrity and other people feel let down by that, I need to build a capacity and a bandwidth for tolerating that feeling of like, well, I really wanted you to do this. Or you know, if you're breaking up with someone and they really don't want you to, you're building a capacity to sit with that. Because you still, you know, you're not trying to hurt them. That's not the intention. But living your own life will still inevitably hurt people, right? We're all a villain in somebody else's story. But if our intention and our integrity can be authentic and aligned with who we want to be, then again, even them being let down is like, I don't want to say not our concern because that sounds cruel, but I hope people understand kind of what I mean. It's like, it shouldn't that's, be the focus of your attention. It doesn't mean that we shift what we're doing. It means we can be like, I hear that you're let down. And that I feel impacted by that. And I'm also going to keep doing what I'm doing. Right. Like that's, and that's, that is a muscle that we can train. Like we can train patience. We can train this. A lot, a lot of people I think today are missing out on, we've such a comfort culture that we really, we feel any negative sensation and we want to distract from it, which makes sense. Of course, negative sensations are hard. So if we can build up our capacity to sit with those negative sensations, then we have we just can be so much more at peace with ourselves because a negative, you know, I say I let, you know, I let this man down yesterday when I double booked and I was able to sit with that 
And I didn't, you know, it, it just made me feel so much more at ease. Or if I'm in a conversation with someone and I want to do something and they're upset about it, I can acknowledge that and I still don't have to shift my choice because I can sit with that discomfort and I can be with that. It doesn't mean it feels good in my body. My body's all sorts of like, you know, feeling all the feelings and, and internally the physiology is intense sometimes, but it still doesn't mean that I change my decision because I don't have a bandwidth to deal with that physiological response mm. of like getting flooded. Yeah. And that is a muscle that we can practice. It's interesting also to, I would like to take the perspective of sometimes you don't know the value that's actually happening. Like that experience now gave you the opportunity to share this lesson mm. here today. Like that almost had to happen yesterday. I'm going to tell him that's why I did it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that, that was a valuable um, reference point for you to, to say, we all mess up like that. We all double book ourselves. And for sure, most people are going to reprimand themselves after. Like, why could you be so stupid? Like, you know, like that, right? And, and so, and this same experience happens in all sorts of different areas. But like messing up, quote unquote, right? Or making a mistake, how we resolve that internally and then externally. But it starts with the first internal, like, okay, I acknowledge that I'm getting, this is really upsetting to me and that I'm feeling like I let someone down. Yeah. And that is going to, I'm going to create a meaning around that situation that I am a letdown. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the coolest part, well, not, I don't know the coolest part, but one of my earlier clients that day came in a little bit late and he was like kind of frazzled and he's a therapist and he had double booked some of that morning huh. or the morning before something. And he was telling me about it and I was like, oh man, like that happens to everyone. <laughs> and then just a few hours later I had done it and I texted him. I was like, you are not going to believe it. Uh. Like I double booked someone this afternoon and he was like, oh my God, I jinxed you. I was like, no, you helped me mm -hmm. because I respect you and I know your heart and your ethics and you made a mistake and you're human and I was able to give you so much grace. And so that helped me give myself grace because it's not that I'm dumb or incompetent. It's that sometimes I move too quickly. And sometimes I'm, you know, technology and I have a challenging relationship. And sometimes I mess up my calendar. Sometimes I, you know, all the things that I was able to offer him. And so it's just like really beautiful, like... Mm. Like my earlier client and I had this great thing. The client I messed up with and I had a great ability to like rapport build after like, you know, we had this rupture and then repair and now it's stronger. You know, we have that scar tissue that makes it stronger. Yeah. It, it just, it all works out. But it's, my work is to continue building a capacity to be with that discomfort and to continue building that capacity to be like, I can sit with really big feelings. It's not going to take me down. It's not going to kill me. I can get flooded with feeling and it's going to move through. And I am by no means per perfect. I'm going to say the bad word on the show because I know we can cuss um, at this at all. One of my favorite visuals is I have this friend and we were in this RV driving along um, California. We were on this road trip this past November. She was going through a breakup. We were talking about it. She's driving. She's little, just huge van, <laughs> bright pink hair. And um, we're talking about a lot of hard stuff and We'd been talking about this, like building capacity in the body. And she goes, I'm having so many uncomfortable feelings in my body. <laughs> She's like yelling. Uh, and I was like, that's what it is. Like we just, we can sit with those. It's okay to be with those. And we don't have to jump on social media. We don't have to grab a drink. We don't have to go see a friend. We don't have to go have sex. We don't have to jump into the gym. We can just practice like being with it, even though it sucks 
because then it's going to stop sucking. And that's how we start building trust and confidence that we can get through anything because we do. Like I'll tell my daughter, like you, and I'll tell other people, you've gotten through a hundred percent of the things you thought you couldn't. And so if I was going to bet on something that's a hundred percent, I will bet that you are going to get through this next thing you think you can't get through because your track record is a hundred percent. And so even the hard moments, even the like, oh, I fucked up. But it's about like, I don't want that shame or the guilt to stick to me. That doesn't serve anybody. It doesn't serve the client that I messed up with. It doesn't serve me. It doesn't serve the broader humanity. And um, I don't need to flagellate myself for it, for anything. This is just one example. I, mean, yeah. I mess up all the time. I'm really good at messing up. Um, but what I've gotten even better at is the practice of messing up is the practice of coming back from that and integrating it. But if I never told anyone, right, my... And it's just like, oh, I hope nobody finds out about this. Like, oh, what if he writes a negative review? Or what if, you know, it's like the exposure can feel so terrible. But then I'm like, wait a minute. I can also not expose my flaws, but I can openly talk about them so that other people can feel more safe talking about theirs. In the same way my client in the morning did. He's like, oh, I double booked. And then I felt even more comfortable to be like, oh my God, I double booked. And now, mm. you know, whatever people are dealing with today, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have messed up today. They may feel more comfortable saying that because if we speak it or if we show it to someone else, shame can't exist when we bring it into light. And so I think we have an opportunity to start dissolving some of those shame parts of us. That's exactly what I was hearing when you were talking about the shadow. Is the, you call it, We can call it the shadow because we can bring light to it. And it's by bringing the attention to it, not turning away, but actually turning your energy and your light towards the shadow is that then it illuminates. Yeah, and I, I, like, I love that. And I love thinking about how if the intention is not to make it go away, if the intention is to be really curious about it, to be like, why, who are you? Like, why do we do this? What is it about us that chooses this? Or, um, you know, why are we sitting in this, yeah. in this way? Why are we showing up this way? not from an interrogation or because I want you to leave, but because I really want to get to know you, you know, that that's just a different energy than like, oh, I'm going to get this big flashlight or high beam and I'm going to make the shadow go away versus like, hey, let me bring some light over here because I haven't seen you for a while. I don't know what you look like. I've been ignoring you. You've been, mis you know, we do this with our bodies as well. Oh, I see, you know, bodies all the time and we're just distracted from them. We just drag them around like these like servants and we treat them terribly and then we berate them when they complain to us and we take them for granted. We're so cruel. We say bad things about them and then we slap them with chemicals and put shit, you know, shit food in our bodies and we like are wondering why <laughs> things aren't going well. Um, and so we do that with our bodies as well as these shadow parts of ourselves. And I just really would encourage everyone and invite everyone just to, to stop, <laughs> stop doing stop that. Do, stop <laughs> doing stop that. Stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I get curious. Uh, that's what I mean when it's, it's shine a light on it. Mm. Like you're, you're going there with like a uh, light to me is, um, uh, explorer goes yeah. into the cave with a light, you know, cause he's exploring what's there. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, I could talk to you for hours. Okay. Final question. Sadly. <laughs> if little six year old Jenna, we're sitting next to you right now. What would you tell her? Oh, I love questions like this. Um, I'm trying to think of, I don't have the most memories from when I was a child, so I don't have a good sense for who I was at six. Any age. But little, I did, little Jenna. I did have a, I couldn't say my R's really well. I like, I had Aww. a little speech impediment, which <laughs> was super cute. And um, 
I, I would probably just tell her, you're fucking rad. And then she'd probably be like, you can't say the F word. And I'd be like, I just did. And we'd laugh about it. I would really, I did this exercise with like a meet yourself in 20 years mm -hmm. visualization. And my 60-ish year old self was like, you're doing great. You're awesome. Just be weirder sooner. And I was like, because <laughs> I was like, you're so weird and like unique. And my older self was like, yeah, just do that now. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I would probably like pass that advice along to my younger self, which is like, just, just do that now. Like, don't wait till you're old to be like, now I'm 90 and I can be free to be a wackadoodle. Like, just do that now. Like fully express, get into all of it. Don't be afraid of don't be afraid of the like hard, quote unquote, hard emotions, lean into hard experiences, get to know discomfort, get really, really sweet with the parts of yourself you don't like. Mm. like just start practicing that now. That's probably what I would want her to know. Mm. Ah, so beautiful. I had a guest once on po the podcast and said the slogan in Austin, keep Austin weird, actually creates a culture of authenticity where it's celebrated here. If you're uniquely you. Aww. I know. I was like, that is genius. I just love weirdos. <laughs> I really, really like weirdos. I like people that are not the norm. Yeah. I feel like they enrich my life. They do. Yeah. Uh, no question. That's why you want to have a variety of uh, backgrounds at a business meeting. Right? You don't want all white male, for example. You want the perspective of a variety of different cultures to give you that variety of different perspectives. Yeah. That's a rich life to me. I want all the different angles that you can see things. It's also, it's so cool when people are just doing different stuff. Yeah. Like you're like, how, it's almost like, I was telling my daughter, like we need more, especially as women, we need more audacity. Like we just need to be like, the like so you look at some people like you have such like the audacity like what are you doing and I'm like no we need more of that women need more like go be bigger and I was teaching my daughter how to man spread when she was like man seven spread? you know like when men like spread their legs real wide on like buses and they take up like two seats you man know and the women are like they have their legs crossed they're like trying to be real small and um and you know some men will be like yeah we have balls we need space maybe I don't know but like it's like <laughs> at least like shimmy over a little bit when I'm trying to sit down and anyway, it's like teaching her how to like take up space. And so mm -hmm. we were, you know, we were jokingly calling it manspreading. It's just a funny word to me. But my point was like, take up space in the world. Like that's, it's sad that that's kind of weird for women. Um, but I want, I want everyone to just like step into their, their own power and kind of rock their own vibe because it, de it delights me. So selfishly, <laughs> I want people to be really, really weird because it's super fun for me to get to know that. Mm. And then be like, oh, maybe I could be that kind of weird. Like it gives me more opportunity to learn who I want to be in the world. Beautiful. Oh my God, Jenna. Will you hang out with me a lot? I want to hang out with you so all the much. Time. I will take you with me <laughs> everywhere <laughs> I go. <laughs> I think you're so great. I really do. Uh, I love that we started and ended with how much we love each other. Obsessed, yeah. <laughs> this could be another hour of just me I telling know, you seriously. how great you are. Oh my God. <laughs> what a blessing. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for shining that bright. Thank you for teaching your daughter how to be such a powerhouse. I can't wait to meet her. I can only imagine. Um, yeah, you are a special woman. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everyone who's listening. I really appreciate y'all tuning in. If you're watching or listening, it's so sweet that people carve out time to hear these kind of interviews and stories. Mm. And thank you, Nikki, for making space for it. Yeah. How can people find you? Oh, um, so probably Instagram. My business account is Valentine Care Wellness. Okay. And my business is Valentine Care. So that's the website. 
So that's probably the easiest way to reach out if they want like acupuncture, Chinese medicine, um, say hi, <laughs> tell me how weird they think I am, you know, whatever. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my loves. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I'm sending you so much love. Mwah.